You're listening to Vinyl Tap, Inside the Music Industry with Michael Parisi. Hi, my name is Michael Parisi. I've been a part of the music industry for over 30 years. I've worked in all facets of the business, from promotions, marketing, A&R and artist development. I've also worked for and with major record labels. I've run my own labels and my music publishing company, and I'm still an artist manager today. So take a seat in the room with me as I talk with some of the biggest movers, shakers, and visionaries of the music industry. There'll be lots of stories, insights, and intel that you won't hear anywhere else. So sit back, relax, and welcome to Vinyl Tap. He's a multi-talented rapper, producer, creator, mentor, and radio presenter. He's also a proud Ewan and Dungati man. His name is Corey Nookie Webster, and you've probably heard his dulcet tones on Triple J's Blackout show. I caught up with Nookie recently up at Big Sound, and he gave me a thoughtful insight into his life and the times, including his better to have something than nothing stance on the upcoming voice referendum. He has a lot to say, and I believe he's going to be one of the most powerful voices and leaders for the Indigenous cause in this country for years to come. So sit back and relax and enjoy the rapid-fire tones of my man, Nookie. So here we are in the middle of Big Sound, and I found him, Nookie, the man. How are you, Nooks? Yeah, good, brother. How you been? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty what have you been good. doing this week? Uh, been jet set and nice. I was in Darwin for a couple of days and got back to Sydney yesterday and then, yeah, come up to Brisbane today. Doing big sound and tell us what you're doing tonight. Yeah, so I uh, curated the Blackout stage um, tonight. So, yeah, I'm going to host that and, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing everyone kill it. And the, and the lineup, can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Before we get so, into it? Yeah, so we've got Kobe D, got Miss Kanina, got Moss, got Dean Brady, all the, you know, the fresh, exciting talent. Going to run it up. So, Nooks, let's, let's start with a bit of context for people who don't know who you are. Obviously, you're on Blackout and on Triple J. But when did you start getting involved in music and Uh, how did you get involved? Yeah, so for me, um, how I got into music, so I I was born and raised in Nowra, uh, you know, a little coastal town outside of Sydney, a couple of hours down the the coast. Um, And yeah, growing up down there, there wasn't too much to do away. It was pretty much football, swimming. Um, But I had a big cousin who lived lived in Newcastle, um, you know, so he got to experience different things. And, um, you know, he'd come down home Christmas and the holidays and stuff, and that's why I'd see my cousin, Ryan Selway, his name was, and, um, you know, he was kind of like the cool big cousin I always wanted to be, and um, he was a rapper, drummer, producer. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I was first exposed to music is because he done it and he was just the cool cousin I used to emulate. So, yeah, got into got into music just because he done it, and... Um, yeah, music for me was kind of kind of an escape, like a healing for me. Like yeah. growing up in Nara was it was pretty tough at the time, um, you know, dealing with racism and all sorts of stuff. I uh, wasn't too engaged at school. I was, you know, I loved learning, but school kind of wasn't my type of environment. Um, so I found myself, you know, angry a lot of the time or dealing with lots of emotions. And yeah, one day um, my cousin came came home for holidays and that, and he um. He was uh, showing me how to how to produce, and uh, he made me a couple beats and put them on a CD for me. And you know, I used to carry this CD around with me everywhere and now and just listen to it. And 
one day I kind of had enough of school, so I thought, oh, fuck this, I'm going home. Packed my bags up, started walking home, and they just built a community centre in Nara. Right. And um, Nara's like a little place, so if there's something new there, you notice it. So I was walking home, seeing this youth centre, and I walked in, in the doors. I was like, I was a little inquisitive kid. I just helped myself. I just walked through the doors, and I was like, oh, what's this? And uh, the people there are like, oh, this is a youth centre. It's just for kids to hang out. And I was like, oh, so I can hang out here? And they're like, not now. <laughs> We're not yeah. open, but yeah, you can. This is somewhere for you to hang out. And then they said, oh, we've got a music studio downstairs if you want to have a look. I said, oh, yeah, mad. So I went down and had a look at their little music studio, and they had an engineer kind of sitting in there. And, um, you know, he was just setting up as well. He needed to test the gear, the gear out. I asked if I wanted to have a go. I said, oh, yeah, sweet. So, you know, I had that CD of beats in my bag chucked it on and um yeah recorded my first song and all the kind of anger and frustration i was feeling from school it's like it, it went into the microphone you know and i was hooked from that moment back there every day were yeah. there any cultural events or something significant in your life besides your upbringing which we'll talk about shortly but were there any cultural events that that had an impact on you that made you one want to be involved in the music industry but more defined you as a person yeah yeah there was a, a few cultural events kind of before my time actually that right. made me want to want to do it like i grew up idolized pemawoy like the the story of pemawoy like yeah. um sydney resistance fighter he was a you know big big inspiration for me and then charlie perkins and and the um the freedom rides was a big one yeah um so like looking at cultural events like that like the freedom rides and stuff and um you know just seeing how these people fought for our people and kind of etched out their name in history and from a kid i always wanted to do that um and i think music was my vehicle to do it you know so yeah. like those those moments kind of and when did you learn about that kind of stuff because they didn't teach you that kind of stuff in school did they no nah, it was my mum your mum right mum yeah yeah so again um having a hard time in school i wasn't wasn't too engaged but mum knew like my culture is you know kind of where it was at like that's what i needed to learn so i used to hang out with my uncles a lot and learn culture and then mum would teach me about you know pemawoy and and Yagan and and windradine all these aboriginal resistance fighters and i was you know i fell in love with their stories and i just wanted to be that um you know and i couldn't walk around setting buildings on fire and throwing spears at people so um put it into rap music was your outlet yeah and was there one particular moment or pivotal moment where you went i'm definitely going to be involved in music no matter what was there a particular besides your cousin of course and besides mm. your <clears throat> your upbringing and the cultural center you were just talking about was there a particular thing that where you went that's it i'm not doing anything else yeah yeah there was so um for me again it goes goes back to school and and, and now or so I would have been the first kid in my family to finish year 12, right? right? So, like, that was a big goal of mine. As a kid, I was like, I want to go to year 12 and finish year 12, be the first in the family to do it. Um, so, you know, I tried hard and <clears throat> tried to get get there. I got to year 12, um, was having a rough time at school, pretty disengaged, and um, I got to, got to doing my year 12 like major project right yeah. the the hsc stuff and yeah so for my major project what i wanted to do and again like i'm only only 17 but i was always kind of dreaming big i wanted to put on like a massive festival like cultural festival in Nara. um and you know like that was like a big scope idea i had i didn't have the chops to pull it off but tried tried to do it and part of 
the festival was I was like writing writing music to perform at it, right? So I ended up putting like a little mixtape together with a bunch of songs about you know my upbringing, my hometown, and what it's like and that. And um, there was a song in there called Subliminal Twist, right? And um, kind of dissed all the racist teachers at my school without like i dropped all their names in there i didn't say mrs this person or mr that person but i put all the names in it like there was a teacher price is this price education heartaches racism and discrimination hunt young black fellow on the hunt sick of being caught a little black that one <laughs> yeah, uh, that word. yeah so <clears throat> i made that i handed it in and um you know a few few days later I'm sitting in class and um, get the announcement. This like this is a regular occurrence back then. Like Corey Webster to the principal's oh office. God. So okay. yeah, get that announcement. I'm sitting in class and you know sitting there with all my friends and that. Corey Webster to the principal's office and we all call. Oh shit, what are I doing now? Like you thought you were in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So I walk down there and um, my little CD is sitting on the desk. And the principal looks at me. He goes, "We refuse to mark this." He handed me the sign-out papers then and there. He goes, you sign yourself out now or we're kicking you out on that day. So, like, no chance to think about it, no taking and it home. And was this, like, towards the end of year 12? Old, yeah, old, I would have been gone in a few weeks anyway. Yeah, right. would have been finished. Just before. Just before. So, yeah, like, I looked at him and looked at her. I was like, well, fuck it, give it here then. And then I went back to my class, straight to the teacher. I said, oh, look, I'm signing out. You sign this for me. Wow. You had to go take it to all your teachers to sign off. To sign off, yeah. I done that and I was fuck. I was pretty upset. Eh? I went home. I told mum and that. I said, "Oh, look, kind of got kicked out of school, eh?" Um, and that was it. So music became the only thing I had from that moment. How did your mum react? She would have been kind of proud of you, I guess. No, no, mum was, was very upset. upset. Really? <laughs> yeah, you very got upset. Out of yeah, mum. Yeah, she she was pretty upset because um, you know, she she tried tried hard to keep me there. You of know, of course, and then. But, but you're standing up for yourself at the same time, right? Yeah. Through, through your music. Yeah. And, and maybe the, the way you uh, portrayed it was probably a bit full on for, you know, it's still a proud moment in, in your life, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't change it. That's right. I wouldn't go back and change it, not, not for a second like that. It was, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking for me as a kid, you know, like having that dream kind of crush, but realise another one in that moment because that, that was it. Like not too long after that, I packed my bags left Nara and kind of pursued a career in music. Up at the Big Smoke, right? Yeah. Sydney. Yeah. So you mentioned your cousin earlier, which is which is great. I always, even when I was growing up, I had older cousins who introduced me to, you know, great music. Do you have any other mentors that you could, you know, look up to that helped guide you through, not just not just music, but life in general? Yeah, so again, it was my, my cousin. He was the main one for yeah. me. Um, like he, he was super influential in my life. And I remember like one, one lesson he gave me. This is before I recorded. This is when I wrote my first rap, like my first verse. Um, you know, just listening to lots of 50 Cent, DMX, Eminem, T.I. Um, like that's kind of all I knew. So I was emulating those guys. And I wrote this verse and I sent it over to my cousin on MSM Messenger. And um, he hit me back and he said, well, I've got to be honest with you, cuz. That was shit house. And uh, <laughs> I said, what do you mean? It took me hours to think of that. And he goes. A tough love. Yeah. And that's when he goes, that's, that's where you went wrong. You spent hours thinking about how to do music. When you do this, you got to speak from your heart. And I've lived my whole life by that. Ever since, like, everything I do is coming from the heart. Like So that was a, yeah, 
pivotal moment. Like he, Ryan was a big mentor for me, my father. Um, you know, going out the bush with him, learning stories, looking at sites is um, taught me a lot uh, over the years. Uh, John Wenatong from Last Connection, he helped me out a lot in in the early days. Um, he used to let me go up to his house in Raymond Terrace and use his studio and and record and stuff. So, so that was cool. Learned a lot of lessons off Briggs over the years. Um, yeah, there's there's been a few men, but the like the number one would be my cousin Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And heritage is obviously very very important to you as it should be. How much of your upbringing and your your heritage are, uh, well obviously they, they, they combine to to make you the man you are. But how much of your heritage is displayed through your music? I mean, is it, is it all about the the indigenous plight, or are there other issues that you talk about? Yeah, yeah, like. It's, it's, it's all of it, eh? Like I can't, I can't really separate the two, and it kind of goes back to that that message is speak from the heart. So I'm speaking about my experiences and my upbringing and my culture and, and my heritage because that's me. So definitely comes across in in the music because that's my truth. Yeah. yeah, I got that when I saw your your documentary. We are warriors. You know, you you obviously are a very proud Indigenous man. What does We Are Warriors stand for? What What is We Are Warriors? Yeah. It's more than just a documentary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So We Are Warriors is a business organization platform. Um, and again, that, that kind of stems back to when I was a kid. And this one was, uh, again, school. <laughs> Lots of things come from school. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like for me, this is my first memory of school. So, um, you know, this feels like, day one kindergarten but you know i remember it so i was probably you know around year four year five or something like that but it may as well be the first the first day it's my first you know first takeaway from it first memory and it was um so i'm sitting in the class and the the teacher busts out the old projector and that and pulls down the screen right and starts putting pictures of blackfellas on the board there and um as i'm looking at these pictures like I started to see my family in that, like, oh, mm. this looks like, you know, my family, aunties and uncles and all them, nans and that. Mm. Um, and then as this is happening, the teacher's kind of, you know, trying to give give their lesson and they were saying, this is, these Aboriginal people, they were, you know, a bunch of dirty savages who ran around the bush naked, no housing structures, no point to life, like just lived a worthless life out here. Um, and you knew it was fundamentally wrong what they were saying, right? In your heart, yeah. Or, or, were, you, or were you too young to grasp it? Too young, right? Too young. Right. So, yeah, like, the, and that again, like, it just felt like the teacher turned off all the lights in the class, and I, I was alone. I felt me and the other black kids were were different to the white kids in the class, and um, yeah. So the school finishes, and Mum picks me up. Uh, you know, I'll go out to the car, I'll jump in the car and I'm feeling like shit. And that's when I asked the question to my mum. I said, hey, mum, where are Aboriginal, eh? And she goes, yeah, son, why is that? And I just started started crying. I said, no, nah, I don't want to be Aboriginal. I don't want to be dirty. And then mum said to me, we weren't dirty people. We were warriors. Um, and, you know, I've been immensely proud of who I am and where I come from ever since and i thought that was kind of you know a message to to spread um and get, get out to the world so that's kind of where the name 
come from. It's a very powerful, very powerful moment, and a very powerful. Like the very words "we are we are warriors" is a very powerful statement. Yeah, it it speaks volumes to me. You know, I can, and I think a lot of people resonate would resonate with that. And you know, if you're a marginalised person or people, mm. that is a strong statement. I reckon. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Yeah. No, and you sure. recently won an award, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Because yeah. Because a lot of people wouldn't know this. Yeah, yeah. So we um we was nominated for a, for a Cairns and Cairns. I still don't know how to say Cairn, that. Cairns, Yeah, Cairn. I used to say Cairns too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's funny when I was telling people I'm going over. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Cairns. They're like, oh yeah. Like, no, no, like the French one. The, you know, <laughs> the real one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we were nominated for a Cairns Cairns Lion Award, which mm. is like you know. The awards kind of cover the, the whole scope of creativity on a on a global scale, um, and we were up for music and entertainment. Um, yeah, we were nominated in that category against Rihanna and Ed Sheeran, Pharrell. Um, yeah, we ended up winning one of them. We won, got the got the bronze. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a short documentary, but it's that that eight minutes is so impactful when you see it for the first time. You don't you have you'd have to be numb from the neck up not to appreciate what you made there it's amazing so with with that do you feel a responsibility as a as a role model because you've got you've got a few platforms now you got mm. we, are, we are warriors yeah you're also on triple j with with blackout mm. does you, do you get a sense of you know i have to be a role model not just for your people but for youth in general yeah do you feel, do you, and you feel any pressure with that yeah like to be honest um yeah i am now like I feel like, um, you know, especially for Indigenous artists, like they throw the word role model on you after your first song, you know, yeah, and yeah. You, you might not be ready. And truth be told, I still don't know if I'm ready. I'm still kind of coming to terms with it and, and grasp it, but I can appreciate and respect the position I hold now to, um, you know, step up and actually try and do that. Like I still got some demons to shake, but, you know, for the most part, um, you know, I'm almost ready, and I think that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Like you get thrust into that position, and and you might not be ready. And as a black artist, you're not afforded the same mistakes as the non-indigenous artists yeah. out here. So you got to be real careful, and um, you got to move in a certain way and with a certain step. And um, you know, it's not always easy to do that. Um, but yeah, I feel like with what I'm doing now, Triple J. We are warriors. Um, my own music. I feel, I feel ready and um, you know excited to, to be that. Yeah. Because we are warriors. I mean, what do you expect from we are warriors? How do you see it evolving, and, and what do you see it ultimately becoming? Or is it one of those things? Is it is it a concept that's going to keep evolving and, and keep becoming bigger? Yeah. Wider. Uh, yeah. You know. I I definitely think it, it is that. Like it is something that will just continue to live and continue. to 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 grow and you know it's just like like a mantra so you know it's a statement i want it to be recognized as like a a global brand like competing with the the nikes and the and the pumas and the rest of them or look not even competing if they want to do some work we'll do some work but you know what i mean like i want to get to that level on a brand sense and then I, i want it to you know really make a difference and make a change and be recognized for our generations like is that yeah we are warriors i want to carry that message i want you know our youth to see different pathways and feel inspired and encouraged and be great so for me this is about you know laying down the foundations for for generations that come this is like a like yeah. a map of sorts you know yeah and what i see when i when i when i first looked into the whole we are warriors thing the, the word empowerment came to my mind straight mm. away and it still does you know empowering 
empowering people, yeah. particularly you know Indigenous people, to be whatever their whatever their craft, whatever their you know their, their space in life, empowering them to have not just a voice, but get their music out there, get their art out there, get their music direct you know music video direction out there. Yeah, it's all about that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like even you know when it, it's it's growing a lot faster than what what I expected. Like the original idea, like I wanted to have. Like a, a youth center on, on steroids is what I was calling it, and it was a place where you could just come and do that, do what you do. It's a safe place, like, and just you know work on what makes you great. Um, we started with our warriors. It was you know the middle of COVID, no money, so like getting a physical space was kind of you know out of the question. And um, look, man, I think it was four or five months in, we got a call from City of Sydney, and they had a spot, and they're like, oh, you know potentially want to move in so like we got the physical physical place and you know um another big thing we wanted to do was workshops and we started off with the online content and that but you know not too long and probably seven months in we started to to do the workshops and now we're doing workshops at our own spot in sydney uh, we've done some stuff out of the juvenile justice centers there, amazing, yeah. and then we're in Nara High School, which is the school I got kicked out of. We're in there once a week. You went back the other day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're there once a week doing everything from traditional dance to song production, fashion design, all sorts of things. And um, you know, like I, I feel like I'm starting to kind of become full circle like that. You know, this is. Everything I've done over the years, like it's got me to the point where I needed to be now, and the the goal was to always come back to Nara, and um, I was you know, say, I'm you know, finally finally there. Yeah, did you feel like because you know you you started off feeling the way you you know feeling in Nara, and is it great to be able to go full circle, go back there and try and make change? Yeah, twenty odd years later, whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, like I can't I can't describe it. Eh? It's just, it just does a lot for my soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. soul enriching, I imagine. Yeah. All right, look, let's get this next one out of the way because it's going to be a subject of conjecture. And by the time this interview comes out, we would have known the the result mm. of this of this so called uh, you know once in a lifetime referendum. Let's start by talking about what are your feelings on the voice and what it means to you, and then let's talk about what you would have done if you're in charge of the messaging. Yeah, what is you know? Because I personally, I feel like this government and the people, uh, you know, given the task of telling the world or Australia what it is, have not so much cocked it up, but have given mixed signals and mixed messages. So, what is the voice for you as a, as a, a proud Indigenous man? And then, what would you have done differently to get the message out there effectively to all communities, not mm. just you know Australia as a whole, but also you know your own people? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, like I still haven't looked into it too much hey eh? like i've got a you know i haven't had the time to sit down and take the time with it which yeah. is you know something i, I want to do because i, I want to un- understand it properly um sorry man i lost it what was the question <laughs> the question is what i mean what do you what is your understanding of, uh, of the voice what it what it currently is right now as you understand it yeah and secondly, what would you have done differently if you were in charge of getting the message out to the public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like where I'm at with it is, yeah, like I really want to sit down and take the time to, to understand it properly. It's one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm, you know, I'm hopeful. I, I would like it to create change, that's for sure. And, um, you know, it's one of those things like I'm, I'm hopeful, but... 
prepared for the worst, you know, like growing up the way we grew up, you get told no your whole life. So getting told no is like I'm expecting to be told no, mm. you know. Mm. I'm ready for that. So, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but it ain't going to phase me if it's yeah. a no. You just you know keep, I mean? We just keep fighting. Keep going. Yeah, and, I agree. you know, there's people out here that use their voice regardless. Um, but, yeah, look, this, I think the time is definitely now for change. And, you know, if this is one way to do it, like I'm hopeful and, I, you know, I hope they do do it. So, yeah, look, things do have to change. And, you know, if there is a voice, like it's it's better to have something than to have nothing. That's kind of where I'm, where I'm sitting now with it. So say say it gets through and um and it's uh and they have to set up the government has to set up an, a so called advisory board or mm. an advisory team of indigenous people to you know try and pass legislation or try and change perceptions in this country and you get voted onto that board nookie and hypothetical mm. what would you try and change what's what's the, what are the immediate issues that you need you feel need addressing immediately. There's a, there's a plethora. Mm. I, can, I mean, I, I can rattle them off the top of my head yeah. from from an outsider looking in, but from an indigenous point of view, what needs change? What is like crucial to you? Yeah, for me, it's like oh man, there's there's so many. It's like deaths in custody need to stop. They got to look mm. at that youth incarceration, like locking up kids that are ten years old. Like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like that. Some land back would be nice. I don't know. You know, some things like yeah. that, and just. Uh, it's not even leveling the the playing field because there's you know the disadvantages and all of that like they're so disproportionate like it's just you know I think there's there's years of of work to be done but there's yeah there's there's so many things I'd I'd do different but like I'd be looking to you know just uplift my people and get my people into a better place as as a whole and that's you know financially spiritually physically mentally and you know there's all sorts of things that come into play with that so land and sea rights it's you know some rent getting paid there's you know our kids getting looked looked after and that's i'm not saying like us we're doing a bad job not looking after our kids i mean like making the environment better for them and safer yeah yeah and do you think for me, when I was growing up, um, you know, in 70s, white Australia in 70s, Captain Cook was a hero. So our history book said that, mm -hmm. you know, the school curriculum has got something to answer to, right? Do you think we've, as a country, we've rewritten history enough in a positive way for younger people to understand that it wasn't cool what, what happened with Captain Cook and coming to Australia and creating, you know, well, committing genocide, really? Yeah. Is that... Do you think schools are teaching? Is it changed? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm In your not, experience now that you've gone back to Nara, for example. Yeah, well, they, they let me back, so yeah, <laughs> it so, must be changing a little bit, eh? <laughs> so, are, are they? Are they? Are, yeah. they, are they giving Look, us? Are, are schools teaching our, our children, our future leaders, the right message? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask the guys next time I, I go there because I haven't, you know, haven't been in that deep to know. But like, they're allowing allowing programs like We Are Warriors to come back and you know empower these kids. So obviously, they, you know, things Something is changing. are changing. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if we've made all the changes for, for that to happen, but you know, this yeah, changes are are happening. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, I've got two sons who who went through, you know, went to high school recently, and I'm proud to say that they don't celebrate Australia Day, mm. and they were taught that. So they, they went to a couple of progressive schools, particularly my older son, and so Australia Day is not even on their radar anymore. And so I sense. In a subtle way, it's starting to change in schools. Yeah. And I hope that continues, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, that's it. It's about, like, rewriting history and it's, like, 
just telling the truth of the history, like the the facts of it. And I think you know we're we're at a pivotal time now. Like when you talk about rewriting history, this this is a history writing moment we're in. It's the moment, yeah. Yeah. And if if I'm Anthony Albanese, I don't want to be known as the the prime minister who fucked this up. Yeah. <laughs> right. You got an opportunity. You got one job. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. it, dude. Yeah. But it's and it's like it's it's a scary time. You know what I mean? Because like w- what happens now affects our kids our kids it kids does. their kids kids like it's this this is literally a, a moment in history that we're all a part of and you know all living in and all yeah. will contribute to and like end of like it, it there will be that question in a couple of years time absolutely like, where did you stand what did you vote for coming from the absolutely. kids you know absolutely. so you got to do right by them at some point something's got to give doesn't it really yeah. i mean we've been talking about these issues for a long long time but I think we're look. I'm hopeful. I'm mm. like you. I'm hopeful that it's going to change, and you know, and issues that need addressing are addressed immediately. Yeah, you know, it's we've got to come on. We, we're 2023, 2024. Surely we've grown up as a nation. Yeah. Surely, yeah. After all these years, well, you'd hope so. Anyway, let's go lighthearted <laughs> now, looks right. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're going to get too deep, and we're going to get too, we're going to get too entangled in politics. So, I love asking this question of, of all my interviewees. Different, different situations, of course, but let's say you've been tasked with the job of programming Dark Mofo next year. Yeah. What does it look like if Nookie, Nookie is the head programmer? Because I love that. I love that festival. Oh. I wonder what it would look like in the hands of someone like you. Shit. Dark Mofo, like... Man, and that that's one you can you can you can go to town on that. There's no to no, town, no so real rules to on that. Like, man, to, to, to be honest, right, if yeah. I was going to do it... Yeah. And... I'd probably try and do an all-black one. Why not? An all-black dark what does it look mofo. Like? What is it? <laughs> yeah, like so. Everything is indigenous artists, like from the theatre pieces to the art installations throughout the city to to the musical acts, and you know, and again, like maybe focus on on the history of Tasmania and and what happened down there, and you know, yeah. distinguish some of the myths that the, all the blackfellas died down there. So, I'd have a big emphasis on the local people there. Um, and then, yeah, I'd try and make an all-black festival taking over in Tasmanian island. Maybe a little um, dedication to Chopper or something. He's probably the only... Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a little Chopper Trouble exhibition. <laughs> Interestingly, yeah. um, I, I found out recently, um, we were talking about her earlier, Miss Kalina's from Hobart. Yeah. You know, so proud black woman from Hobart. Oh, she can headline it. There we go. There you go. She yeah. can headline it. So let's talk about if you could... Work with anyone in the world, living or dead. Yeah. Whether it's a you know a musician or an artist or a poet, anyone, who would you love to have worked with or want to work with? Oh man, like again, that's a hard one. Like it's a tough it, one, isn't it? Like, it could be a few people. Yeah, like a Tupac collab yeah. would Are be you gonna sick. Are you going to say Tupac? <laughs> Eminem collab would be sick. Yeah. Um, man, bringing bringing Pemaway back out and just doing something with him yeah. would be wild. And then yeah, maybe my cousin Ryan Selway bring him bring him back for a song. Yeah, where is Ryan these days? Oh, he passed. Passed did he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Your first mentor. Yeah. So, and then let me ask you this before we go into a few few more serious questions. If you weren't in the music industry, what do you reckon you would have been? And, and and having heard your story now about having you know being kicked out of school at year twelve, what what would your path have been if you didn't have music to like offer salvation of some sort? Yeah, yeah. Look, by 
you know, from all accounts of what my teachers were telling me back in the day, I would have been a football player or I would have been a crim. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one yeah. of them two, I think. <laughs> it seems like a pattern in country towns, <laughs> isn't it? It's like yeah. a pattern. Yeah, but, yeah, look, I, I've never really had to think about that because music was all I had. Um, yeah. So yeah. I didn't get the opportunity to, you know, think what was next, but, like, uh, you know, being someone like a Charlie Perkins or, like, you know, like just a hectic professor or something like that would be sick. Like, actually, you know what, like, I'd probably, if I wasn't doing music, I'd like to go back and be the teacher I never had for someone. That's a great, that's a great answer. Yeah. Great answer. Now, let's talk about the state of um, Australian music. I mean, you're a, obviously, you're a, you're a hip-hop artist. Mm. What do you make of hip-hop in, in Australia right now, 2023? Oh, there's a lot more flavour in it now. That's yeah, there sure. is, isn't there? A lot more colour, a lot more flavour. Yeah. Um, but again, like it's it's mad to see where it's at and and where it's where it's come from. But I think a lot of a lot of times people kind of disregard where it was from and you know the the early days of hip hop here and, and like like you had to be able to rap like yeah. you know what I mean like you had to be top tier back in the early two thousands because if you were shit like you got found out pretty yeah quick, you'd you'd know it yeah. Um, so, like, you know, it was good because I kind of came up on the back end of that just before the new wave, you know what I mean? So I, I caught the – I got to be a part of, like, the, the scene where, like, you really had to be able to rap and, and hone your craft and kill it live. So that was cool. And then – but, you know, also got to be in the, in the era where people would embrace melody and, and artistry and it wasn't just all fucking, you know – you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was like it was good to see see the transition and it's mad to see now like so many black artists and those artists kind of killing it um because again like back in the days it was it was it was tough being yeah, being oh, a absolutely black rapper like out in the crowd and that like it was it was pretty pretty awkward in the in the crowds you know so it was uh you know they weren't always getting what you were saying um but you know, seeing where we're at now, it's in a, it's in a real good place, a healthy place, and it's you know it's only going to get better. Who are some of the more exciting artists you, you've noticed recently yeah, in that space? Miss Kanine is one of them. Yeah. Young Marta, yep. Say True God, you got little Inkaby out Perth there killing it. Yeah. Um, you know, Kid Leroy, you can't go past. He's literally of one of the biggest artists in the in world. The world yeah. yeah, Kobe D, Barker. Um, yeah, there's heaps. Because I, I I think at some point there's going to be like you know. You know, predating obviously uh, hip hop, acts like Yoshi Indy took yeah. you know, indigenous music to the world. Garamal, yeah, know, was amazing. Um, at some point, there's going to be indigenous act, yeah, that's going to cross over, yeah, internationally, yeah. It's it's, it's going to happen, dude. Yeah, could it be three percent? Yeah, yeah. There we go, three percent. Lord, we'll give it a crack. That's for sure. You want to tell us about three percent? And, and disclaimer here, I'm actually you know uh, involved in the three percent project. <laughs> Uh, and this would, might sound like a uh, selfish piece of promo, but it's important to talk about three percent because I think you know the kind of record you've made is going to is going to it's going to speak to a lot of people, not just Indigenous people, but it's going it, to it's casting light on a lot of you know fantastic issues that should be heard about. But tell us about three percent, how it came about, and what it is. Yeah, so three percent is myself, Angus Field, and, and Dallas Woods, and the the music that we've created. I think that's just happened. That's what happens when the brothers get together and just be brothers you know there's no ego there no bad shit it's just brothers you know who having a good time and you know look at each other like family and treat each other like that and that's um how the music came came to be um and you know throughout the the, the project we touch on 
you know our personal histories the the history of our people um our, our present day um and i think we kind of all bring out the the best in each other and pushed each other to to new boundaries and stuff like working with with dallas some of the ideas he brought to the table made me tap into a side that i've never really allowed people to see so people for once they'll see the softer side of nookie they'll see like the family man side they'll, yeah. they'll see that and i've the always vu- the vulnerable side, vulnerable right? side and yeah. i've always kept that for myself um so that's there and you know angus he's he's literally got got the voice of of an angel and you know having him involved just elevates things to to a whole new level but how it all came to be was it's funny it was, it was on the day when i launched we are warriors back in 2022 January 26th, um, me and Dallas was um, <clears throat> booked in to do a session and it was, it was a pretty big day for me. Like I had a lot going on and, you know, We Are Warriors just launched and, you know, had a bit of a media whirlwind. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of stuck in that moment and, you know, I decided oh, I've got to feed and uh, once I eat, I ain't doing music. <laughs> um, so, so Wilster, who... Um, he was like producing and engineering the session we were supposed to be in. Uh, yeah, Will hit me up and he goes, Nookie, where are you at? I said, oh, bro, I just had a feed. I'm laying in bed. And he goes, dickhead, we got a session. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, I just, Do I have uh, to? Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. ate, bro. I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he sent me the like a snippet of what they were working on. I was straight in the Uber. It's like it's the only thing that's ever got me out of, out of bed was this. Um, and we went there and. You know, we just made this this song and, and the energy was there. Um, and, you know, months had passed. We'd been sitting on this song and um, Dallas said he wanted to put it out. I said, all right, sweet. Well, I'll come down to Castle Main. I'll do like my final vocals down there and, you know, chuck it out. Do your thing. And I went down it was there. It's meant to be Dallas Wood's song, right? Yeah, Dallas song. Yeah. And then we went there hung out in Castle Main and that one song turned into four songs. And I was like, oh, shit, we got like a little ep going on here so again we went down there sat with it for a bit and um we just decided to pull the trigger and said all right come up to sydney let's let's get these songs finished and um so dallas comes up to sydney i was working on the apple home sessions and um yeah i hit up angus who are who are shit man i stumble you trying to talk sometimes okay. Ang- angus i've known for a couple of years yeah i you know i knew his, his voice and stuff i said angus bros um come down and record a, a hook for me for another song i had cooking on the side so tried to do the double up a eh, where like me and dallas were working on our stuff and in the lunch break me and angus was gonna you know finish the song we needed to finish angus pumped that out real quick and i said oh you know got the three percent it wasn't even three percent then it was like had the you know dallas stuff i said oh bros a couple more songs yeah i wouldn't mind you know hearing how you sound on them and he got him to do a bridge on one and dallas comes back he goes fuck was this i said that's that's, that's angus and then we all hung out in the studio together and you know we went back the next day all three of us and banged out another song and then another song and another song and all of a sudden those you know those four four or five songs we had turned into like 16 songs all within three days mm. if that it might have only even been two days um but yeah just the, the energy was there and we could tell we created created something like just you know that it was just energy and and truth telling and yeah like we just you know it was um 
there was no question about it. We had to put a name on it and make it a thing. Yeah, and that's how 3% was kind of born. You know, I know this answer because, you know, I'm obviously working with you, but how on earth did you get the presets? Uh, and where did that, that idea emanate from? Yeah, so... You had, that, you had that in your mind for a while, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. so like back in the days, this is going back to the, you know, the CD of Beats in nowadays, like as I'm getting into music, like learning about sampling and stuff, there was a few songs that I've always wanted to sample since I was a teenager and presets were one of them. Um, and me and Tasker, me and Tasker have been working on the, the home sessions, which is, you know, we were kind of sampling some iconic Australian songs. Like we got um, Tomorrow on there. Silver Chair. Silver yep. Chair. Um, and then we just finished that. I was like, all right, sweet. That's the zone we're in. Let's keep it rolling. And... Um, uh, what were we booked to do? We had to, we were doing something together. Um, me and Dallas, uh, me and Dallas were going to a Indigenous songwriting camp, um, and I told Angus, I said, "Oh, we got to go to this this thing. Uh, do you want to drop in real quick?" So Angus, you know, just came down for for the day, um, sang out the Tasker. We all linked up at the Lord Gladstone, and you know, it was just in the moment. I said, "Tasker, load up the presets. Um, let's sample that." And then, again, it was one of those moments we made that song and was like, fuck, <laughs> something about <laughs> this about song. It, yeah. And then, yeah, you know, not too long after that, met met you for a Dion and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got the clearance. And, yeah. and the, the amazing thing about that song is, which I didn't know at the time until you told me this, I, like many people, didn't realise at the time when it was released that that song was about you know, asylum seekers. Mm. And so, hence the name My People, your version's called Our People, Similar parallels, like parallels with yeah. the story, right? Yeah, ex exactly. And I think, you know, the on my way to that session, you know, I think this is this is what sparked it. There was, um, yeah, I'd been doing workshops out at, at Reby Juvenile Justice Centre there and there was a kid in there that I've, you know, I've come across before and he, he's young. He's super young. Um and that's kind of what gave me the emotion to do is like, why are they locking up our kids, man? Like, kids don't need to be sent to, to prison. And how how old was he? Yeah, like around that ten, eleven wow. mark. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that kind of got me feeling a bit funny, you know. So, yeah, after that, like, our people, we done they had done the song. So yeah. that's kind of. I what can't wait for people to hear it. It's a very, very powerful song, and it, I think it's going to capture people's imagination. You don't have to be into sort of political hip hop to understand you know, the message behind his song, nor the rum shaking element because it's a killer song. It's <laughs> yeah. a great, great beat. Um, what else can we expect on the record in terms of you know, obviously thematically we've spoken about, but who are, who else do you want to work with in future? And what other songs do you want to you want to clear for, as samples? Have you got some ideas already? Uh, yeah, yeah, got got some ideas like. Um you know, I've been working on getting the Jimmy Little Royal telephone sorted out. That's you know, that's a big, big one for me. Like he the was first, at, the first ever Australian Indigenous number one. Yeah, yeah, and he man, he was at my first performance. Oh wow! Like first time I ever you. rapped, he was there. Um, so yeah, we've got a bit of a connection there, and like he's he's Ewan down the line as well, and so he's been a big inspiration for me. So there's there's that one, and then yeah, man, there's 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 a lot on on the on the hit on the list. Horizon, yeah. yeah, a lot on the hit list for that. Okay, let's talk about, um, just quickly before we finish up, because you've got a busy night tonight. Let's talk about the, the government, because you know, we touched them obviously before with um, the referendum. What do you think this federal government can do better when it comes to 
not just Indigenous music, but in Indigenous people in general. What what are the what are the things that you think we still haven't got right? Man, I think listening just got to listen. But then I think look, you need a voice, eh? <laughs> so yeah. if that voice happens, then listen to the voice. Um, but I think you know it's just all about just being open and accepting that you know things haven't been the best and definitely started off in a real bad place but it's just you know accepting the truth and moving forward together it's just you know it's all about listening and actually implementing change like see it's always the thing they always you know say they're gonna do it but fucking follow through yeah um you know and just look at some of the disparities we have between each other and address them and, and fix them Make it happen. Yeah, Make, yeah. yeah. Stop talking. Just more action, right? Y- yep. Now I'll finish off with this advice to an aspiring young artist who wants to get involved in the music industry, regardless of color. Mm. Obviously, um, in, indigenous first and foremost. But what's the best piece of advice that you give to someone who wants to be in the music industry? Uh, yeah, I'd just be you know, be regurgitating what was given to me, and I speak from the heart. Like right. you do that, you ain't gonna set a you know foot wrong. Yeah. Like because you're being true to yourself and you know, who you are, like, you, you can't fail. Um, and then, you know, shit, shit gets hard out here, times times get dark, and, you know, you might feel like you, you know, you, you're trapped in the dark, but you can you can always turn the light on, man. That's great. That's it. Great mm. advice, Nookie. All right, listen, you've got to go because, you know, I know you've got to go. <laughs> um, but thanks for thanks for coming in. Easy. Um, and good luck with the 3% project. Mad. Thanks, boss. Thanks,